Welcome to the Romanticy Readers Podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Nicole. And this is your weekly dose of morally gray men, epic love stories, spicy smut, and strong female characters. We talk about all your favorite romanticy books and book boyfriends. All the book boyfriends. <laughs> Giving you our genuine thoughts and reactions theories, and overall vibes while reading the books everyone on Booktop and Bookstagram are talking about. We'll keep you updated on your favorite romanticy authors, all the books you have to add to your TBR pile, and even play a few silly games here and there. But fair warning, if you listen to this podcast, you will have more books to read than you have time for. Oh yeah, you're going to have so many books in your to be read pile. It's a given. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Romanticy Readers Podcast. My name is Nicole and I'm here with the lovely Allie and we are super excited. We have a very, very big episode for you today. We have Crescent City 3. It's we have finally Crescent City time. 3. Finally <laughs> time. It is finally time. We've got our got our copies. We have read them. I'm almost finished with my second read through. Ali, you were up till late very one night reading it. Tell me all about your experience of reading Crimson City 3. Oh oh my gosh, it was so good and frustrating at the same time. Uh, (laughs) I I went to, I had taken the 30th off of work, as I think I said in this episode, in this podcast. And then I just like kept getting these important meetings that kept coming up. And so I ended up canceling my PTO, which is a bummer. Um, So I thought that I was going to just go to the midnight release party for a couple hours and then come home because I found a copy of the book at like 4 p.m. on the 29th. It was so exciting. I found the copy of the book on the 29th. So I was going to read. um, And then I ended up having so much fun at the midnight release party that I stayed. Um, (laughs) So I stayed late and then I got home and I only, I was pretty tired and I knew I had to be up early the next day. So I only read like seven or eight chapters, which is still a lot. (laughs) I know. I know. Yeah. It's a big book. It's 837 pages. There's a lot of book there to read. (laughs) Yes. And then throughout the week, it kept being... I kept finding it challenging to find time. So by the weekend, I was maybe 40% of the way through. Yeah. And then one night, uh, Friday night of that week, I stayed up till 4 a.m. and finished the book. <laughs> Once you get to the last um, like 200 pages, there's just no yeah. going back at that point. No, no. Because I, I, I was able to log off of work early. So I think I started around like probably like 4 p.m., maybe a little earlier and I literally read for like 12 hours straight. And I was oh just God. like screaming and messaging Nicole and sending her <laughs> voice memos and sending her recordings of myself, just like yelling. And at one point, my so husband funny. was just like, can you just calm down? But I couldn't calm down. <laughs> I'm like, you can't expect me to calm down. down. This is a huge moment for romantic readers, okay? I need to talk yeah. about it. I need to process. So for everyone else, I managed to get a copy a couple of days early, which ended up being really good because I was able to get it all read. I've just drilled through it the first time. As a matter of fact, I would say I rush read it. I got obsessed with certain theories that we can talk about later on. And I just couldn't really, I was just obsessed with Akatar world. And then I was almost just looking for Akatar the whole way through the book. So I was almost flicking chapters, just going, when am I going to see Nesta, Azrael and Bryce again? When are they coming back together? Where is my mass first? Where is Throne of Glass? So I kind of rush read it, but I did 
get the general sort of idea. Then I got my copy on release day, which was a few hours ahead of the US. And I then read fairly slowly. I was, you know what doesn't work well together? Having a great big 837 page novel, Instagram, Bookstagram, and a podcast. <laughs> you kind of get distracted. A job and being a mom and all the other things that go together. Yeah, I had to keep feeding my kids. It was really annoying. I'd be in the middle of reading and I'd be like, Mom, you don't love us anymore. I need food. I haven't eaten in like eight hours. (laughs) But I just just didn't have time to read. And then I was just so excited because I did know what was going to happen and I'd had to hold all my theories and thoughts inside. And then I just wanted to see everyone's reactions. So I'm just on Instagram and TikTok and I'm talking to you and I'm like, Ellie, what are you up to? What are you up to? What chapter? So I kind of like didn't really get into my own reading. So uh, only now am I nearly at the very end of my second read through. But yeah, wow, wow. wow. It really is. Yeah. I, like we can talk more about it in a sec. I think my first read, I was truthfully disappointed. I haven't even shared my final reaction because my final reaction was really, really bad. <laughs> I was like, that was shit. I was like, what kind of ending is that? That is not what I wanted. It's like, okay, I guess everyone just lives happily ever after. That's the end of the trilogy. Goodbye, everyone. Um, yeah. But reading it second time round with a few more theories and experts that I've been talking to, I can see so much more story after this. Mm -hmm. I can see so many Easter eggs that are potentially coming and I'm actually way more excited about it. I'm like, oh, this is actually amazing. How about you? I think a lot of readers feel that way. I think a lot of readers, especially hardcore SJM fans who have been super stoked for the multiverse, you know, and we're expecting this like intergalactic, massive, epic story felt disappointed. Um, I was, I, I felt that way. I was a little disappointed. Um, however, thankfully for me, because Nicole had read it, um, a few days early, she was able to give me a heads up. She didn't spoil anything, but was just like, you know, just keep your expectations that like this is still a Crescent City book, I think is what you said, which yeah. kind of ha- helped me interpret like, okay, most of the book is in Midgard. Exactly. Um, and so when I had that expectation, I wasn't, I maybe wasn't as disappointed, though I was still a little disappointed. So I really had to kind of take a minute and bring myself back up and out of like that disappointment and be like, okay, for what the book was, was it a good book? And then I was able to like, once I kind of had that, then I was able to really start appreciating it and understanding what it was. And upon reflection, you know, I think those expectations that we all had, maybe, maybe that, maybe that we just, we should have just seen that like, that was never going to exactly. happen. Right? I know. We, let's be honest, we got that little teaser in Crescent City 2 of the crossover between Akatar and Crescent City. And we all just went full mass first. We went, this is the Avengers of Sarah Mass yeah. World. We had theories on Throne of Glass. We had theories on what they do in Akatar. We have dust court theories. We had everything and we wanted it all in this book. And it's the same. I wanted it in there and I wanted more, but I can also see how she needed to tie up Crescent City in this book. And that's what she's done. And I think sometimes people have spoken to this book, even though it's so big, actually feeling a little rushed with how she kind of defeats the Asteri in the end. It's all sort of done in 10 days. Sometimes things almost felt a little bit easy, but I can also understand that Sarah really needed to wrap this story up in this book 
so that she would then have the free reign to explore some of the bigger stories in the future books yeah. to come. But it was, yeah, there was that initial disappointment because now we have to wait two years for anything like that to happen. And we just wanted that from this book. We were so excited. And it's only once you're able to step away, calm down and think, okay, this is Midgard. I'm actually going to invest in these characters and I'm actually going to sort of see this through that I was actually then able to enjoy and appreciate this book. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that doesn't mean there aren't parts parts of the book that that don't frustrate me. There there definitely are. There are some things that were a slog. There were some things that were frustrating, which I think we'll talk about. But overall, like I called this a five-star book. Like I I think this is a five-star book. Um and, and you know, when you think about this from like a commercial perspective, from a selling books perspective, it it makes a lot of sense. Like I think somebody who had not read the rest of Crescent City, or sorry, the rest of the mass verse could actually read this book and be fine. I think yeah. they, if they mm-hmm. hadn't read Akatar and Throne of Glass, they Don't could read this to. book and be fine. They do not have to. And I think that's a smart business move, right? And at the end of the day, like the reason SJM gets to do this and make these epic worlds is because she sells a lot of books, right? Like we can't lose sight of the fact that you know, an independent publisher would not be able to <laughs> make this like 16 world mass verse, you know, and the publisher's just like, yeah, whatever you want to make, right? Um, <laughs> she has to be able to sell books that then gives her the freedom to do whatever she wants to do in the future. Oh, and also for isolate readers, right? There's a lot of people who come, who are coming to her world through Crescent City and it's important that they can enjoy it. Well, exactly. And as you know, Crescent City was my very first book. I That's how I found Sarah J Maas and I entered the world of romanticy. It was Crescent City 1. So I hadn't read Akatar yet. I hadn't read Throne of Glass. I think Crescent City 1 doesn't give much away. It's a still very much a separate book in the first one. So then it was completely fine. to. I then jumped into the Throne of Glass world and then finished with um, A Court of Thorn and Roses. But yeah, you definitely don't have to have read it. Obviously, you're going to get more out of the books if you have read Throne of Glass and Akatar, obviously particularly Akatar with Crescent City 2, but it's not imperative. You could probably read these books and enjoy them. It would actually be even really interesting to get the perspective yeah. of a reader who hadn't read those books and how they interpreted, like a lot of people, and we can talk about it in a bit, were quite frustrated at Bryce and the interaction she had with Nestor and Asriel in the first part of the, the book and her sort of reactions running away all the time, like just trying to blindside them all the time, whether that would be seen in a different light, not having that history with Asriel and Nestor and kind of knowing those characters. So yeah. I think it definitely, look, I will take anything Sarah gives us. If she gives us a novella, <laughs> if she gives us, like, I will just take it, I will obsess over it, and I will enjoy it and eat it up. I also give this book five stars. Now, for everyone to know, I have a six-star rating, right? I have a very rare six stars that I give to very rare books, like A Court of Mist and Fury falls into the six-star category. Fourth Wing falls into the six-star ca- category. These are books that you just have to go back and read over and over again because you just can't get enough of it. You're obsessed with it. You're in love with it. It's just, it is just the top of the top. Now for me, the first like 25 chapters of this book actually were at that level. I was like, and I have already gone back and I've read the bonus chapter about three times. I've read, (laughs) you know, I've, I've just read the same chapters over and over again. I'm seeing huge stories there it then dropped for me once we went back to Crescent City and especially because I was struggling with some of the characters and the connection. 
I then kind of brought it back to four stars on my first read. I was, I was like, I'm not liking where this is going. What was the whole purpose of those first 25 chapters? I'm just confused now. And I, I sort of came away obviously not really liking the story, but I still appreciated that it would, it would probably be a five-star read just from the quality of the writing. But on my second read through and seeing all these Easter eggs that are being laid, like I feel like I'm in year 12 literature again. I read a sentence and I think about it from all these different perspectives. I'm going, but what, yeah. if, what if like the princes of hell are actually the villains? Like if we now look at what they're saying to Bryce, what if they're not telling her the full truth? When they say this line, when the Oracle said something, did it have a double meaning? So I'm just breaking down every sentence. Like this is insane level writing to be that and, level of detail. And let's be clear, like there were things, there are, like if we go back to Akatar, there are things that had double meanings, right? That we love, okay? Like when the Surreal says to Feyre, stay with the High Lord, okay? Like that was a double meaning, you know? So yes. we're not, I don't think that we're overanalyzing for no reason. Because I do think that that's that is what SJM does. Um, is she loves does put in readers. a lot of yeah, she, she loves, loves to leave Easter eggs and trick them. her readers. Yeah. The other thing I want to say, kind of generally before we start talking about like you know details and things we didn't like and all of that, is you know I think that this Crescent City series for SJM is her kind of way to prove like. I can do high fantasy too. I can do your classic fantasy with just a little bit of smut because I think the criticism that she got, maybe not so much anymore, but in the early years was that like, yeah, it's really easy to write books that people like when like, it's just smut, right? That there's no Mm -hmm. plot. It's just smut. And so whether it's, I, I have to think it was intentional, right? Is she's trying to say like, I can do smutty. I can do YA and I can do, straight fantasy. I don't even think I would classify this series as romanticy anymore, knowing what all three books look like. Yes, there's a little bit of spice in book two, but still very little. Yeah. I would just classify this as as a fantasy series with with a romance, you know, aspect, minuscule plot line, right? Yeah. Um, and I love that. I love that for her. I love that, like, now, you know, we can tell some of our 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 friends who are high fantasy readers, like, hey, like, go read this. In fact, I have a, a friend. Um, um, he's a friend of my husband's, but he and I are also uh, pretty close. And he started reading Crescent City. He hasn't read anything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he's, like, loving it. And he awesome. typically reads, like, Brandon Sanderson. He typically reads, yep. you know, much more classic fantasy stuff. And he's like, why is nobody talking about this series? The series is so good. He's, like, already yeah. on the second book. Yeah. Um, he was like, he was like, oh, I'm so excited to get through it so I can finally listen to your podcast. And I was like, mm, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but you're not going to be able to listen to my podcast. <laughs> read Throne of Glass and Akatar before jumping on our podcast because yeah. you may get spoilers about other things as well. <laughs> this is definitely a spoiler podcast. podcast. <laughs> um, That's so interesting. It's a, it is a bit of a more, probably for Sarah J Mass, a more male-friendly book series. I think it is. Because mm-hmm. it's very sort of story orientated sometimes to a point of frustration. Like, you know, for I didn't love the second yeah. book. I felt like there was just a lot of filler story without that real deep what is the purpose here what are we really driving towards like obviously as romantic readers we love 
the the long game of the romance of the girl defeating the villains and winning overall and characters you know growing and finding themselves and being brave and kicking butt and all that sort of thing and and we sort of I don't know the second book for me was definitely the weakest um, of the lot I, I you know the first one I think was great there was a lot of world building you had to get your head around but yeah but then of course the romance has always been a little bit light and. I can see that I definitely think you're fairly accurate that I think this is Sarah J Maas trying to do something different and trying mm-hmm. to open this up to other audiences, not just the romanticy audience. Yeah. I want to ask you, so how do you rank the three books of Crescent City only? Like, what do you think is the best? What do you think is the worst? Like one, two, three, how do you rank yep. them? Well, as you said, I, I, Crescent City was the very first book. I loved it. I loved it. I'd never read anything else, so I didn't know how good her other books could be, but I really enjoyed yeah. it. I liked Bryce. I liked the romance. I liked the the fantasy, the action. I did find, like, the ballet and the, the hooves and stuff a little bit confusing. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how that works, but... <laughs> But I really enjoyed it. So for me, that was definitely a five-star book. I enjoyed the first one. Uh, the second was obviously the weakest for me. I sort of struggled with it the first time and I struggled with it even more the second time before we came and reviewed it on this podcast. So for me, with the exception of the last 100 pages, which just right, like right. Uh, yeah, are amazing. So for me, that book was four stars. It was good but not great. Um, it was a little bit fillery. I, I just felt like it needed a bit more of the bigger overarching story. And obviously she was saving a lot of that because then she has brought us this last book and boom, has she delivered. She has given us answers for everyone. Every single character has developed, changed, like theories have been answered. We got so much in this book. So there's no way I cannot give this book five stars. It really was, I yeah. for me, I think it was the best of the three. It just gave us That's all the a, answers. Yeah. It, it tied everything up really really beautifully really and regardless of whether I feel good or bad about what's happened for some of the characters and I I still think it is 100% a five-star read with even little snippets of a six-star and I 100% believe the next book and the book after that are going to be six-star reads I just know we're coming into something huge next yourself I, I agree. I think it is the best of the, the CC books. And I know there's a lot of people who don't agree with that. There's a lot of people that I've talked to on Instagram that feel like it's the worst. Um, mm. But I wonder if they'll change their minds after they really sit with it and let go of their expectations. Um, yeah. But I do think yeah. it's the best of the three. I think that even though, you know, it's kind of unrealistic to think about the fact that it only happened in seven days or 10 days or whatever. I actually kind of like that. I like how fast it moved. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I think if I rank them, it's like CC3, CC1, and then CC2 for me as well. So I that's kind of how I how I rank them. But I do think it's the best. Yeah, the I agree. And, and I know where they're coming from. My expectations were so high. And this is one of the challenges with these big writers and big books. You go in, we did a bit of a similar thing with Iron Flame. You have these yeah. huge expectations and sometimes they're not met. And then we get really disappointed. And it's easy to let that disappointment kind of cover actually maybe what was really going on and actually the quality of the book. But as I said, mm-hmm. going back with a calmer mind for the second read and then knowing where my expectations should be, I got so much out of this book. Like the writing is next level. She is insane. Yeah. The encyclopedia that must be in her brain that she is 
I said, just laying this groundwork for the future books and the way she's tied up these characters, it really is beautiful. There was a lot of story and obviously not as much character development as you would sort of expect with it being over 10 days. Yes, maybe the hysteria got wound up a little bit quickly for 15,000-year-old, you know, villains. They kind of did get sorted out quite quickly. That was probably one of my only frustrations. I felt like maybe that should have taken longer. But I can be fairly forgiving of that with the belief that the next book is going to be insane and awesome and we needed to tie this up so that we could have free reign for the next book. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, like, think about it. The villains in Akatar all got tied up quickly, right? Amarantha gets dealt with in a book. Mm-hmm. Then the Highburn stuff is wrapped up in two books, you know? Um, you know, there's lingering villains, but, like, she does wrap her villains up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even, like, look, even Throne of Glass... You don't know who the big, the you know, big villain is with a capital B till halfway through the series. Yeah. So what yeah. makes us think like we've, of course, we've all thought that the Asteri were going to be, you know, the epic kind of intergalactic villain, but perhaps they're not, yeah. <laughs> which we'll talk about. Well, exactly. <laughs> I think, we both, I, we both I think when that. I first finished this and I just went, that's it. That's it. That's done now. That's the trilogy. It's all finished now. And I couldn't help feeling disappointed. And all I could see was some little you know, maybe Tharian, who I don't really care that much about, and Ethan, a little bit more with his love story and things like that. But I was like, we're we're sort of done with the main characters. It was only on the second read I picked up all the Easter eggs and I went, oh, wow, we're probably right back at the very, like if we compared it to Throne of Glass, we're probably still back at book one. We have no idea yet about the story that's going. The last page of Crescent City 3 and the last page of Akatar, very similar people, very similar. Put those two pages side by side and just look at them because they are extremely similar and will be part of many theories to come. But, you know, so it is not uncommon that we think we're at the end, but I actually just think we're at the beginning. And it's so exciting. It is so exciting because the next book is just going to be insane. It's going to be insane. I'm already so excited. All right. Let's jump into a breakdown of our book. All right. So you have to tell me, what was your favorite scene or scenes? What were some of your favorite uh, parts of the book? Okay. I can't necessarily, ident- like, I can't say like this one scene or this one chapter, but I I have like pockets of things. Mm-hmm. So obviously I loved part one. I loved, yes. like, I was just obsessed with part one um and even though it wasn't what we expected right we barely see reese we don't get to see pharaoh we don't get to see nix we you know all these people that we thought we would see i just like i love going back and thinking about like we were so sure that we would even see aelin no we were like what's nix gonna be like and oh what's gonna (laughs) we just had the the most biggest grandiose plans of how she was just gonna influence like engage with everyone in Akatar world oh, right away yeah no um but I loved all that I loved the like budding friendship between uh Nesta and Bryce yes and with yes. also them sort of really just like taking no shit from each other like I love that they like both continued to outsmart each other I loved everything with Asriel um we didn't know yes what that was going to be like we had theorized we couldn't tell whether they were going to be best friends or biggest enemies Nestor and Bryce right we were like these two are strong personalities like they're either going to get along like a house on fire or they're going to like hate each other other. and we interestingly got something in between I think we got the idea that they could totally be best friends 
But because they were both coming from different worlds and neither of them were wanting to give too much away. And in truth, Nesta was probably actually fairly forthcoming, but she had like as and Reese and stuff around her being like, don't tell her anything. Don't tell her anything about our world. She might take her back to the villains in her world and, you know, and, and put us in danger. So she was, they were both keeping their cards close to their chest. And, but they, I loved it. It was so yeah. good. They yeah. were, they were vibing. They- they and they clearly by the end had so much respect for each other which 100%. i think is so important for the future because i i do not think this is the last time that nesta and bryce will interact not one no. bit do i think that yep. and so i'm so happy that they have the beginnings of a friendship because i can see them just being a powerhouse in the future yes um yeah yes. the other I'm- stuff that Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Did oh, you, no, no, no. I mean, I was just going to say that, like, the only thing that was really hard was having Bryce backstabbing them. And you're there thinking, no, Bryce, don't do that. It's Nesta. It's as You can trust them. Open up and talk yeah. to them. They'll be cool. You can totally tell them everything that's going on in your world. They'll be fine. Yeah. But as I said, on reflection, I can understand where Bryce was in that moment. I mean, her mate is being tortured her brother is being tortured she really doesn't have time as frustrated as I was that she wasn't open and forthcoming with communication and just telling the truth I can understand why she didn't know these people she didn't know if she could trust them and she sort of had to keep some of her cards close to her chest but Mm -hmm. yeah I agree that I just loved it I I could have just had a whole book of Nesta and Bryce and Azrael yeah I don't even need plot I just they could just wander around those tunnels for a whole bunch of happening. <laughs> I would have been fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there are other things. Yes. We're going to talk about those chapters a lot in future episodes um, as we start to theorize, but today we're just kind of keeping it like high level. Um, I also loved everything with Rune and Lydia. Like, yes. oh my God. I really hope that they're a major focus of the next book or some kind of like spinoff or God, I would be so happy if we just got like a novella Court of Frost and Starlight style about them just kind of like settling into their apartment and domestic life. Like, you know, <laughs> yes. it's <really> so cute. <laughs> well, they're totally mates, right? They've got to be mates. You can tell like when they, they knew times- it instantly. Mm-hmm. Rune saw her and and this is going to come important this is going to be important for us for future theories but like Rune saw her and immediately was like that's day and holy shit that's my mate like he smelt mm-hmm. smelled her even if he didn't yeah. say it he yeah. knew it instantly um and so did she so yeah. i think that they were it was and they were just so so cute and like oh, i just loved everything to do with them they were to me, they were one of the best romances in the whole book. They yeah. just, they actually carried it. I was almost, the only thing I was upset I about was that, that there wasn't more Rune and Lydia Spice. Like I would have liked a whole lot more Rune and Lydia Spice. There was some, but it, you know, it was like, I could have just, I could have had a whole lot more of that because yeah. I just loved, and, and even like, you know, Rune being, or Lydia being the main person that helped them escape that her love for him was like, I have to, I have to help him escape. I'm the only person that can do this, that can orchestrate this to happen at the level with the Asteri and everything. And she orchestrates the whole thing and puts herself on the line. And, oh, I just, it was, it was so good. And then just to see them just slowly build from that and then sort of slowly fall in love with each other was just, it was beautiful. 
that scene when they're in like the horse barn uh on Avalon and everyone's like sleeping in a stall next to them and they're like things are getting spicy and then people are like shut up I was like oh can't they just go find their yeah. own spot? like exactly. they were like, like a room on. in the back with a roaring fireplace and some fur yeah. rugs and had a nice and, intimate like, thing there them, like, you well, know, even when they did really have spicing, when they finally have their spicing, her sons have been abducted. She's all freaked out about that. And she's like, oh, I just sort of want to forget about it for a little bit. So it's kind of a rushed kind of yeah. intimate sex scene. And you're just like, oh, I want it to be like, I want it to be about 10 pages. Okay. I want 10 pages okay. of this spicing. There was like a part where, because we're in Rune's head, we're in his POV and he's like, Oh man, if only I had that lip ring. And I was like, we have to go to see where he has the lip ring. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, I guess the next book, the next book, I mean, he's going to probably put it back in and then we'll get more there. Probably. But then the first one is so important. The first one is no. like, that one's pretty pivotal and it was a little bit rushed. I would have liked longer, more pages, Sarah. Yeah. Could have done with 840 pages. You could have added another three pages of spice there for Rune and Lydia. Yeah, <laughs> my only little bit so. of feedback. Yeah, just just the, the small tweaks. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus and chapter. Then, okay. So then the third, like of, I'm kind of giving like my top three things. And like my third one really is just like Rune killing the Autumn King. I just found it so epic. I loved that it was Rune who got to do it. I loved that then yes. like Bryce killed the other guy. I love that like he rescued her. Mm-hmm. I love that he kind of realized like why what the what the oracle meant that he revealed that to his father. He just got yes. payback in the best way. Um you know, I I really thought the Autumn King was when he was going to turn out like not good but like better but he really didn't he stayed evil and so i was happy that he had an epic death yeah at rune's yeah. hands that yeah. whole like that is that is the moment i can remember it viscerally because it was like it was about six o'clock on friday night you know and i'd been reading and it was like that moment that i like started sending you all of these like constant <laughs> oh like, reactions and like freaking out stuff and then um and then it was like from that point on i just like could not stop reading like that point on for mm-hmm. me was like the turning it was going going. yes it was rune's kill wasn't it like what the autumn king had done to him as a child it was Mm -hmm. rune's kill like it wasn't bryce it it was rune that had to do it so it was perfect payback and doing it saving his sister it was just a lot of meaning behind it i think i got emotional actually reading this part just because just the enormity of it it was so huge and and just freeing for Rune. Like I think yeah. there was still a part of him that was sort of tied down and trapped by his father and just him being alive just still had that, just that freedom he has post that. You just see Rune. Rune actually matured so much in this book. Like that's what yeah. I love about Lydia because before Lydia, he was living this university lifestyle. He was smoking the mirth right. He was just hooking up randomly. He was just living a boy's mm. life. Then he met, then he met Lydia. She snapped him into shape. She was like, you need to mature up, boy. Like, and then he just kind of did. He was just like, you know what? Yeah. I'm manning up. Like, Act like a prince. And he was like, yes, ma'am. I will. Exactly. Exactly. And I've loved it. I love that she has like forced him to kind of rise up and he's just doing it now and he's really becoming the character I've always wanted him to be. So I love that scene as well. It was so good. Absolutely. Okay. What are, uh, do you have other favorite scenes or or things that I can bring up? Obviously mine are pretty similar. 
you know, the first 25 chapters was everything for me. There was particularly chapter 17. I really, I spoke about that to you saying you need to read this chapter. There was certain hand-holding that happened (laughs) for extended periods of time that blew my mind. There was a certain grabbing uh, Bryce to a chest that, you know, while, while Nestor is over there with the, you know, with the mask on and I'm just like, what is going on here? This is insane. So that whole part, I was pretty excited. I was pretty excited. So that was definitely a huge part for me. Another huge part that I just loved was Ethan becoming prime. Um, I just loved Ethan throughout this story. I loved his growth. Uh, We kind of knew, I think we had anticipated that at some point he was going to rise up and potentially lead the pack, but actually seeing that come into fruition was really, really awesome. And the way he did it. Oh, just doing it in a way where it's like, he did it because he had to, you know, Mm -hmm. It, it was like, if I don't do this, if I don't become the prime, then Sabine is just going to completely destroy what I love, which yeah. is, you know, yeah. the pack and the wolves and what they stand for. And I I love a reluctant kind of like leader, you know. Yeah, I really which do. sometimes it was almost frustrating that Ethan didn't see his own potential and just rise up. Yeah. I just wanted to go, Ethan, just snap into shape. You need to realize you should lead. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think Jessica was in the background trying to, like push him along the whole time, like go on, yeah. go on. She's just priming him up ready. She's just like getting him ready, putting him in the situations. Um, you know, even the the Viper Queen, I even though she was kind of evil about it, I think she had intention. She was very much wanting to see who was going to win that fight between Sigrid mm-hmm. and Ethan. And I think she kind of orchestrated that she was like, only one of you is going to be prime and you need to fight it out to figure out who that's going to be. And so much of it was about Ethan's own growth and realizing that he actually had the strength within himself to actually yeah. lead. Um, yeah. But then when the old the elder prime came out and, you know, and, and Ethan's trying to tell everyone about the yeah. parasite and that they've actually got way more power because obviously they're actually fae. And then, and of course, you know, Sabine's there dissing him. Sigrid's come in. She's full on turned into a, oh my God, what's it called again? A A reaper. A reaper. And they're like, it's all looking like it's going to go bad. And then the elder prime comes in and says, I nominate you as my, my next in line. Like you're my, you're the next prime. And, and I'm just like, oh my God. It was so great. And then we hear a howl from the bone quarter that's Connor. And I'm just like, oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) So that that was really really, I will say a lot of Ethan's stuff, you know, it wasn't my favorite part for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was just like, okay. Main Move story, on. please. Main story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was on the um, but, second read. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, but it was worth it for that scene because I did love that scene and I did love that he became prime and I think that's really helpful and important and I think that's going to come in incredibly mm. important for future books. Exactly, and um, I think this is this is this book in a nutshell. I don't think you will have absorbed everything in the first read. I would encourage everyone, even people that didn't love it so much, to go and actually read it again because you just can't absorb all this information in your first read. You tended yeah. to have your parts that you loved the most. You tend to focus on them, and these parts were just annoying sometimes. Like Tharian just did not need Tharian whatsoever. Just really, <laughs> he could have been so much less. I could have just cut his whole parts out 
but I'm sure maybe one day he'll have importance. But I say when yeah. you're going in in a calmer way, being able to go and actually read all these side stories, it's actually really good information and really worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I mean, there are four houses. There will be four books. We can only assume that the next book will be House of Many Waters. Mm-hmm. Therian is obviously going to play a huge part of that. Like, you know, so even though, again, his stuff was a little, he was super annoying. Um, I have know, a hard time feeling so like. Move forward in the next book. I have a hard time feeling like I would I would even want to read that book right now because Tharian is by far my least favorite main character. And so I'm like, if it's just about him, I don't know how much I'm going to be interested in reading this book at this well, point in time. The way I thought about it is number one, I really liked his like wife. Um, I, I liked them. I, I actually think that I really ship that romance. So I hope that that could be the romance. But the other thing is Lydia is now extremely connected to House of Many Waters. So mm. it would make a lot of sense that like book four is sort of focused on Therian, but also Rune and Lydia, because again, even though she's not part of that house, right, she pledged herself to the Ocean Queen. You know, that is our way to learn more about that house. Um, yes. So that's kind of what I suspect is like book four is it'll be like Therian, but then also Lydia and Rune. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. That's definitely what it could be. And actually I want to throw out something that's a bit of a side thought. This is something I picked up on the second time around because I'm kind of looking and going Ethan and romance, right? Now it seems obvious that maybe his mate is Perry, but did I get, and I'm curious if you got this, a little bit of romance vibes between him and Hypaxia. Yes. Yeah, I did. I definitely did. And I also kind of got romance vibes between him and Jessica. Like, I'm going to be honest. I know. I know that she was, like, theoretically dead, whatever, but there's also necromancers. Nobody's ever dead. (laughs) You never know. She has been alive. You you never know. Um, But, like, yeah, he was vibing with all the ladies in his life. I know, right? He was just, like, everyone. He's just manned up, and they're all like, hello. But, yeah, Yeah. I I agree. First, I thought Jesper. I was like, but there's kind of a bit of a vibe going on here. Like, there's a bit of a, you know, she's manning him up. But you could tell Jesper was extremely fond of Ethan. Even almost, almost probably the most she's had since Bryce. That someone and, that she's more than Bryce in some ways. Yeah, like she was. Yeah, way if more patient she with didn't him than die, she I may have guessed that she might have jumped into a romance with Ethan. But then yeah. I'm reading the whole Hypaxia Ethan parasite scene, and and like she's manning him up, like she's supporting him to grow. And then I noticed him paying attention to her scent. There were just little, little Easter eggs, you know, little Easter eggs here yeah, and there where yeah, I just thought, yeah. I feel like I'm picking up a few little romance vibes. And at the end, Celestina says that Hypaxia is like willing to forgive her, but I don't know if I like ship them anymore. No, like I no. loved them originally, loved them originally. It was like, yes, I love that, that, that we have this queer couple. I love that they're together, but I don't know, like. I don't think Celestina needed to like die or anything. And, mm. but I also like, she fucked up, you know? Yeah, she really did. And, and I, I think get, when like, you do something like to that. that level, like I think there was such a betrayal there. I think even though she realized she made a mistake, what she did was sort of so bad that I don't think there's any yeah. coming back from that. And I think for no. hypoxia, that's just going to be broken now. That's just yeah, going to be broken. Okay. So too. Can we talk for a moment about 
the the scene where Celestina is with Hunt and you know and Bryce and they are you know Hunt basically wants to kill Celestina like when they re-meet what did you think of this scene so yeah I mean it was really interesting Hunt's rage for me was confusing as I was reading it the very first time like I like I understood why he was mad right yeah I get that exactly but like Bryce was clearly able to like assess the situation and be like I'm angry with you but like now's not the time we got shit to do let's go get this like let's go get this open and like move on you know and Hunt was he not able to do that. that. <laughs> he was really his anger was frustrating um and he even you know he even says at one moment like in that moment I hated Bryce. Yep. And that was like kind of jarring to hear. It was. I Yeah. Well, we've done research on this. No mate has ever said that they hate their mate. Right? That's yeah. really started even to put questions yeah, in my mind about how real their mate calling is because mm-hmm. no mate has ever said that. Um, yeah. His rage was quite concerning. And I'm worried now that he's now that he's got even more power now that he doesn't have the, the black crown on anymore. It seems like when he is overwhelmed with the lightning, he becomes irrational or, you know, unreasonable. And he almost mm-hmm. loses sight of the person that he really is. In this moment, Bryce was able to pull him back, but there's a really pivotal moment where he's got the lightning sort of still going on and Bryce goes to take his hand and he says, I quickly pull my lightning back because I would never hurt her. And I just keep thinking about this major, well, I guess Orion theory and the Ember, you know, Ember yeah. being hit by the autumn king and that being a deal breaker for them and wondering whether we are seeing a potential risk here of is is hunt going to attack bryce at some point is he going to attack her with his lightning is he going to lose control um it's who knows at this point um but it's certainly i i don't i got very concerned by him saying that he hated her as his mate and I got concerned that he sort of said, I would never, because I just feel like you go, never say never, never, never say never. never. <laughs> well, and I think this is a good transition into, you know, we have talked about literally every other couple and how much we loved their romance, their chemistry. We've talked mm-hmm. about um, Lydia and Rune. We've talked about even Therian and his wife, like how we really like that. We really like yeah. that. Yeah. We've talked about this potential like romance budding with, with mm-hmm. Ethan and potentially three other people, right? We, we have talked about every single person and every single couple and how much we loved it. We, we, in none of these, in none of our favorite scenes and none of our favorite characters and none of our favorite couples have we talked about Bryson Hunt. Yeah. Um, and so I think now's the time, like, <laughs> What the heck is going on with Bryce and Hunt? Like, Ugh. they did not buy it in this book. I'm just going to call it for what it is. And I know a lot of people who felt very disappointed in this book, not because they didn't get the, the mass verse that they were expecting, but because they did not really enjoy the dynamic between Bryce and Hunt for most of the book. Now, I know that it kind of resolves itself in the end. But I think you said to me a couple days ago, like, there's just all these little cracks. And yes. it's like, those cracks might widen, you know? Exactly. Um, 
it's if I had to set a relationship status, I would have this as it's complicated because it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely yeah. complicated at this point. And there are some big potential theories that are out there that have been discussed that we will bring to this at a later date that might explain a bit more of where these characters are at, but they definitely haven't gone on the journey that we possibly thought they would. If this was sort of yeah. a typical, I mean, the ending we got, you would kind of think they would have banded together, got the, you know, got the dagger from Akatar world, gone and fired, fought the Asteri, been a solid partnership and really known that they were made for each other and lived happily ever after. But that wasn't really what we got. We had them really fighting and arguing through a lot of this, which again, and not like the good arguing, not like the kind of sassy sort of mate kind of back and forth that you'll sometimes get where you just know the next thing they want to throw each other on a bed and have their way with each other. This was like... (laughs) This was like bad fighting. This was yeah. like, I don't know if I like you that much fighting. Like mm-hmm. it was, well, uh, you know, it's no, it's no secret, right? Like you and I have always said on this podcast, we did not believe that Hunt and Bryce were endgame. Yeah. We know we have a lot of listeners who do think that and like you're, that's completely fine opinion, right? 100%. Like the fact like, you know, at, they are together at the end of this book, right? Exactly. Like, so I've been told mate. Know, not to say that like, but I have people who, who love Bryce and Hunt who believe they are mates in Endgame, who were frustrated with them in this book that I have talked to on Instagram. So I do think that people are feeling, you know, like if this is the romance, then something's got to change next book. Yeah. Or they cannot end up together. I, I was just realizing and thinking about this the other day, another really pivotal scene is when, um, right when Bryce teleports down to do the final, you know, like sending the Asteri into the, Black hole. The black hole. Yes. <laughs> right. You're sort of like walking yourself through. Okay, what actually happened here? Yeah, exactly. You Go know, break this down. <laughs> when Bryce real or when Hunt realizes what Bryce does, there's like a scene where we're in his head and he is like livid. And he's like, She went to go and sacrifice herself and she didn't tell me. Um, and he is like really, really upset by that. And, you know, because he thinks she's just going to go down and do like one more thing, you know, which is what they had talked about. She's like, okay, I can go down. I can do one more. And then he realizes like, no, she's not. She's actually going to sacrifice herself. And he he's like, I can't believe she did this and she didn't tell me. And I think that's I think that's big. I think that's a really big moment um, that Bryce isn't clicking with Hunt and Hunt's not clicking with Bryce. Yeah. Yeah. Look. You know, I've never, I think maybe first book I was into Hunt and Bryce, but by the second book, there just wasn't that epic romance. I've always spoken about, I don't feel like they're an epic romance. At best, they're just kind of boyfriend, girlfriend vibing, like, you know, or it's always just been this Mm -hmm. nice light relationship. And they're always just talking about just being Bryce, just being Hunt, that if they got to let all the other stuff go. But it's like in this book, they can't ignore the fact that there's so much more than that. Both of them. He's the Umbra Mortis. She is the Starlight Queen. And they are starting to not be able to just be Bryce and Hunt anymore. And Mm -hmm. it's starting to cause issues because Bryce wants to go into everything headfirst. That is who she is. She likes to blindside everyone. She's just going to do it. She's rising up to the occasion. And what we see throughout this book is, is Hunt is terrified. Now, look, fair enough. He deserves to be terrified. Like he just went through all this massive torture. He's had 500 years of being tortured and downtrodden by the Asteri, he is rightfully scared. I'm definitely not going to say that he doesn't deserve to be in the space that he is in. 
but they're just not vibing right now because they're both not on the same page. And I think we're seeing that starting to cause these challenges and fractures to their relationship because they're not at the same place. He sort of almost just wants to go and hide. She's seen all this information that Selena's given and said these people were so evil to just go and hide and not actually try and defend the innocent. I have to do that. She is such a believer that it is up to her. She cannot just run and hide from these problems anymore. She has to rise up and has to do something to stop the hysteria. Um, mm-hmm. It's there's a lot here. <laughs> there's a yeah. lot here. Yeah, it's, it's, it take a lot to break down. Again, it's like if there's there's a lot to break down, which we'll do in future episodes. We're not getting into too much like theories and and breakdowns this episode, but like. If you ask me, like, what is some of my least favorite aspects of this book, I will tell you it's any interaction between Bryce and Hunt. Like, they are kind of annoying. (laughs) Even, honestly, both of them. It's not just, it's it's a lot of it's coming from Hunt for me, but it's Bryce too. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I think the point that you made of, like, Hunt's just so scared still, while that is completely acceptable and normal, that's not how we've seen other mates react in oh. SJM books. We have always had, you know, them being like, you know what, I'm terrified, but I'm doing it with my mate. And, you know, if we go down, yeah, we go down yeah, together. I and them. I love them. I would do yeah. anything and I don't, for them. And they're, my yeah. number one focus is to protect them and be with them. Like, that's always sort of what it's felt like. But also like, allow them to be who they need to be. You know, yeah. I think when, yeah. when Bryce said to Hunt, like, you're not giving me all of yourself. You're not all in. You're just allowing things. That's not okay with me. I think that's huge. And I don't know that he ever, from my perspective, he never really got over it. Now, again, like there, we could be epically wrong here. I would be very disappointed. I will say if this is how their story ends, like whether they are end game or not, maybe even if they are end game, I need another book where I see them, like sort out their issues sort out their issues and then become sort of like more happily together like for me to like love bryson hunt that's what i need and like okay like this is obviously a much more realistic book maybe maybe sjm is trying to show us a more realistic picture of love and marriage right i mean right like maybe that's what she's trying to do it's not always like sunshine and rainbows sometimes we get frustrated with our partners and and we can still love them um but, but at the end of the day, that's not what book. I want to read for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is a romantic <laughs> book. This is a romantic yeah, book. Exactly. We want epic romances. We want earth-shattering love. Yes. These, this is a pivotal point of what we want to see. And and this is not the kind of relationship that I aspire to. This is not kind of the connection that I would want to see from people. And yeah. it's not who I really want to see from my characters. I have obviously much bigger ideas about where this is going to go. As I think mm-hmm. most of you know, I'm pretty keen on the prize reel theory and I will not be getting <laughs> off that train anytime soon, even though we got left with a very clear ending saying that it is done, guys. It is done. Like finished, finito, give up on that right now. But I do not believe that Sarah J Mass does anything by chance and I think those first 25 chapters are significant and I think with the cracks that have come out between Bryce and Hunt and I think with some possible villains that are going to come into the game, we may see things really shake up in the next book to the point that I would actually say to people, if you are a Bryce and Hunt fan, you may want to stop reading now 
<laughs> I feel like this is your end point. Your happy <laughs> um, at least until other people read the next book and tell you if it's okay or not. Because, okay, I'm a massive like sci-fi aliens fan, right? I love the aliens movies. And the second one is my favorite. I have, I've watched it like 50 times. Absolutely love it. I went and watched the third one and I loathed it. It literally killed off all my favorite characters. It was an awful movie, an absolutely awful movie. So I like to pretend it never happened. I basically just in my mind, I finish it at the second one and I go, and that's it. They all live happily ever after. They go back to earth. They have Newt. It's all cute. And Hicks and, yeah. Hicks and Sigourney end up together. Hicks and Ripley end up together and they have Newt and they live happily ever after. The third, I, So yeah, I feel like this might be kind of similar. If the story goes in the way I think it's going to go, this may be the time to exit stage left and just yeah. put the book down and say, what a great trilogy. Yeah. Let's leave it there. And yeah, I kind of felt that way initially after reading Silver Flames. I was like, I really just wish this series had ended with Feyre and Reese sailing into the sunset. I did not need to see Reese become a dick. <laughs> Basically, yes. I, you know, my first read of Silver Flames, I was like disappointed. I was like, I wish I hadn't read this. I wish I had just left it as B. But then... As I continued to read things, as I saw where the Masters was going, I was like, oh, my God, I, I love that book. I love that book. I'm so happy I read that book. It's okay that, like, we can have nuances and characters and Nessa and Cassian's romance is amazing. So, you know, like, maybe just trust that SJM will lead you to an epic place, you know? I know. I know. You know and I, I think know? you actually just brought up something that's really interesting was Reese continued to be a complete douche in this book. He did. Yeah. I thought they sorted their stuff out in Silver Flame. I thought, Ooh. you know, after she saved Feyre, he was so thankful through her a great big wedding. I was like, okay, they're like besties now. Like saved his mate, saved his baby. They're on really good terms. And then I still felt like he was really putting Nesta down. He was very forceful. Mm -hmm. And Nesta's just, Nesta has matured so much in this time like Nesta it's was like one of my favorite characters in this whole book you can't see her for who she's become yes at least the at least from the small tiny snippets that we got yeah and it you just know? felt but, but even just around every time even even when Bryce was like jumping back in um further on down the book and it was always like you better leave quickly because the high lord's coming and he's gonna he's gonna just kill you it was always just he was so it always just came across as very aggressive and scary and not sort of the mm -hmm. I don't know I felt like when we first met Reese he was very calm and he was you know he was deadly and scary but he was calm and logical. Was that was the yeah. one that went off about everything and if like somebody from his family decided to engage with you know Bryce he would trust them to do it and to do it well and it's like he doesn't seem to have like the trust in Nessa and I get it like trust takes a long time to build but like I just want the old Reese back. I hope that we get him being a little bit better in future books. I books. know. I know. I'm just, I'm very confused at where Sarah is going with his character. Um, with yeah. my only exception being that maybe she's trying to make it, that he maybe wouldn't be the ideal high king. And yeah. looking at Celine's kind of theories and that, that she, you know, what she delivered to Bryce, it definitely outlines that Bryce has a very real you know, that she could potentially try and become high queen. Of she has a claim. Totally. She has a totally. claim. And that was one of the things she had to kind of down, put down, be like, I'm not here to take over Prithian. Like I'm not, okay, you know, she did get worried when she realized, oh, hey, I've sort of got royal blood and you guys might think I'm here to try and take over and I'm really not. I'm going back to Midgard and, I, you know, I'm not a threat. I'm not a threat to the leadership here. But she has a very real claim. 
Um, hence and, why I think uh, that there's more to this story. A little, yeah, a little protesting it too much. Exactly, exactly. Like a little bit of a red herring. Just so. quickly, what did you think of the whole, all the information that got released with Celine? I can't believe I even didn't even, we haven't even talked about that yet. It's like, a, like, it's like a whole other book. book. It's, it's like, so that's another book. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I mean, so it wasn't exactly what I was expecting. There were parts of it that were surprising to me, which I love. I, I, I like say this all the time. Like, I love to be wrong. I love to theorize and clown and be wrong about it. It's like, yeah. it's fun to me, you exactly. know? Like, so I love it when I can get surprised. Um, but I did. I, I, I was like, I just like inhaled that chapter. I need to go back and reread all those chapters because I read them so fast. Yeah. Um, it was, I was super shocked that Thea was not amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I kind of, I kind of yeah, love it. Like at first I was really like, disappointed, but now I'm like kind of into it. Yeah. Um, I loved that, you know, even the narrator, Celine kind of giving us inf- this information who thinks she's like noble for like passing this information on was like, just kind of glosses over these horrific things that they do. <laughs> um, so I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't even know that I have like fully formed thoughts yet God. because it's all just like still washing over me. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. We got, we got bombarded basically with so much information and it's such an early point in the book. Like normally you're going to get those kind of releases in the last hundred pages. And then yeah. at the time I was thinking, wow, this is how Sarah J Mass is changing the game. She's not just giving us an epic last hundred pages. She's basically giving us epicness even in the first quarter of the book. Like I was just, my mind was getting blown. So many questions we had getting answered about, I don't know, the magic of the world, the starlight, the dust court, just so many things answered. Yeah. But then at the same time, also still so many questions. Like, yeah, it's it's actually like I think that she sort of like flop flip flopped it. Like normally her last hundred pages are like boom 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 boom, and the first part of the book is kind of boring. I actually think she kind of flipped it. It's like the first hundred pages this time around were like intense, and then it kind of slowed down. It was boring after that, which it made was, it kind of hard to like. Yeah, she did a Game of Thrones episode like season eight on it. Yeah, like. Uh, which I like, I loved Game of Thrones and I was so disappointed with the ending, but like where they had the first three episodes were insane. And then the rest of the book just kind of flopped away. And it was like, why didn't you flip that around and have the epicness at the very end of the book? And that, but of course she couldn't have done that because they're in Akatar world. It had to happen then. So it made a huge amount of sense. Why? But I just still need so much more Akatar. Yeah. And just so everyone knows, like we plan to do an episode where we are sort of giving you like, this is what we learned, kind of breaking it down for you. Because if you're like me, like not only do you need to reread it, but then you need somebody else to like summarize it for you. So we're going to kind of summarize it for everyone in an episode and then talk about like mass first theories. But stay tuned for future episodes where if you're also like, I can't even remember and piece together everything that I learned, we're going to do that for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're actually going to deep dive into some theories as well, yes. because we have been researching and we have found some absolute experts on some different theories about yeah. not just this book, but about what the future is going to be. And truth is both our minds are completely blown, like completely, completely blown. blown. Yeah. We, but it's going to take one or two episodes just to deliver this information to you guys because yeah. it's huge 
And yeah. we've got to take you on that journey. We can't just tell you the ending and expect you to understand it. There's a lot of yeah. detail. There's a lot of evidence. We're just trying to like gloss over things. Like, so we are going to do an entire episode on just one theory. Yeah. So yeah. get excited because get excited. it's going to be epic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to have you so prepared. And we're going to go through all the other theories as well. We're going to try and give yeah. everything a fair shot, suggesting different theories so you guys can make your own choices about what you think the future is going to be beyond these books. But we're going yeah. to try and give you that detail and that information. Might even bring along some subject matter experts to talk about it. But we're just super excited. There is still so much more to these books. Do not think that this is done because there's still so much more. Now, quickly, mm-hmm. was there anything you wish there was more of in the book? Was there anything you would have liked Sarah to have done more of? Apart from Spice. Ruining Lady of Spice. <laughs> Ruining Lady of Spice. Um, and the Akatar world, but that, I mean, obviously I wanted more Akatar world, yeah. but like, if I, you know, if I'm being sort of fair to what the book is, I would say like, just like one more chapter on Root and Lydia is really yes. what I wanted. Yes. I agree. What about I agree. You? I just, same. I think Rune and Lydia, I would have liked, cause I loved their romance really more than Bryce and Hunt's. I would have loved to have been in that space a little bit more for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And just, as mm-hmm. I said, longer first spice scene would have been great I was really interested in um I mean not that I I enjoy this more in the second read than the first read the first read I just wanted to rush past it but the second read I could really appreciate Lydia's boys and I think this is really interesting as there's yeah. a potential connection for her to Throne of Glass World and the so I'm pretty sure correct me if I'm wrong do both the boys have fire powers or is it just one of them that has fire powers I don't know that we know if they actually have fire power, but we see fire in their eyes, whatever yes. that means. Yes. And <laughs> but I, I think we see fire in both eyes. Yeah. 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 And I think that's going to be really, like, when we really go into really interesting like, theories yeah, yeah, around yeah. fire, I think we've had Ariadne and the dragon and Jessica talking about the importance of having a dragon, particularly with fighting the princes of hell and dragon fire being one of the only ways to stop them. And then we've got the twins with potential fire, like Aelin's fire. That's one of the theories I can't wait to explore in the future and talk, yeah. to, talk about and yeah. break down because I think they could be quite important in the future. But, but look, I'll need to reread some things, you know, like I got to go back and make sure I'm right about stuff. You know, like exactly. right about the fact that both boys have fire. Like I just like everything is just kind of washed over me the first time around. And so I as I'm developing theories, I got to go and like check and like make sure I was right about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Look, the truth for me was the book. I mean, I wanted more Akatar and I wanted more Throne of Glass. But when I look at it from a Midgard perspective, it pretty much gave me all the answers I've needed. It gave me yeah. Ethan. It gave me Jessaba. It gave me Rune and Lydia. The only thing I really wanted that we didn't get, and this is coming from the Bryzeriel fan that I am, was <laughs> that I wanted As and Bryce to reconnect at the end. I thought she would give him back the dagger and be like, sorry, I took truth teller. Like, please forgive me. At least just like a bit of closure. We got no closure for them. No closure whatsoever. It was just, we didn't, she just handed it to Nesta and that was it. And after the hand holding and after pulling her to his chest and seeming sad when she left, I was less like, (laughs) you know, nothing like so that was I was really sad I was really sad that we didn't at least get some closure there on that relationship yeah even if yeah and that like it again even if you're not like a Bryson Azrael kind of mates theorist for me because then right like I, I 
I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I'm coming over to the Brazil side. <laughs> However, prior to reading the book, I was not. And I will say, like, I just, I really wanted to, I wanted a different romance for Bryce and I didn't get it. And that's okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I was like, I had theories that it was going to be Adis or, you know, I just like, I really wanted something else to happen and I didn't yeah. get that. And that's okay. Um, the other romances kind of carried it for me, but, um, like, as we've talked about it, it, I just, it was very unsatisfied with <laughs> which exactly, which is, I think, I think people, even if they were into Bryce and Hunt, I know a lot of people did come out of this unsatisfied, but I have a feeling that is actually intentional that that's, we're not meant to come out of this book feeling great. Yeah. I think so too. Look, I wasn't into reading Sarah J Mass when she like released Akatar for the first time. We all had the luxury that we got handed these books, like, and we had five books to read. We didn't have to sit in an uncomfortable space and go, oh, that ending didn't sit quite right with me. What's going on here? Right. We right. always were able to jump straight into the next book and find out what really happened. Whereas this one, we have to sit in this space now for probably two years and go, what, or more. what happened with that ending? What is going on with these characters? What's going to happen now? And that's why you're going to need our podcast to break this down for you so that you can get some hopeful yep. closure and hope about what the future is going to be. Yes. Yeah. You need us. <laughs> Subscribe. Right. All right. Yeah. So on that note, let's wrap up this episode because we're going to bring you more episodes to come. We're going to continue to break down Crescent City 3, going into our theories, going into thoughts, reactions, what theories worked, what theories didn't. Please subscribe. Please listen to our podcast. Please share it with your friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Please feel free to comment. We love your comments. It helps us shape what we bring to this podcast. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Romantasy Readers Podcast. If you liked this episode, please rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to help more readers like you find our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on our Instagrams, Booklovaholic, Alley Cats and Books and Romantasy Readers Podcast for even more content on your favorite books. As always, reach out to us on Instagram with your questions, theory ideas, podcast recommendations, or just general gushing about your fave books. And you might even be featured here. Thanks again for listening. Bye. Bye.